try and take them by surprise. Let's see what this galaxy-class starship can do. Hi, I'm Jason. And I'm Paul. And this is the Hi-Fi Sci-Fi Podcast. Today we're going to be talking about the, the pilot uh, encounter at Farpoint. Very first outing of the Enterprise-D with Jean-Luc Picard. Exciting. And yeah, welcome to the first episode of the Hi-Fi Sci-Fi Podcast. We're talking about a maiden voyage, our maiden voyage. The first time we ever see the Enterprise D on the small screen. Yeah, it's an interesting episode. <laughs> it is interesting is a very deliberately chosen word there, and I think you're you're absolutely right. Um, it's not the greatest. So if you've watched it and then you decided to join us again on this podcast, thank you. Uh, we're going to talk about how rough that was this is a little rough yeah well okay you have to you have to imagine that you are sitting in a chair watching a tv that you you are you almost certainly do not own we're in the future uh an old crt tv uh and it is september 28th 1987 yeah yeah and that probably that might have yeah sections of that probably just blew your mind that's true that's true so um yeah the special effects while cheesy today actually some of them do hold up pretty well but but um the thing that that's interesting about the episode is just the the plot is a little bit all over the place and we'll we'll kind of start there so um you know star trek the next generation when it gets to the point when it's firing on all cylinders when the characters are really developed and they're really established and and the show's you know comfortable with what it is and what it's doing um they can turn some really spellbinding television inside of 45 minutes this is a double length episode and they're still figuring out what all the characters are doing and how they interrelate with each other and i think that part of it does does show here just a little well, bit yeah, and they, they, they go to some lengths to, to kind of um, just just introduce us to these characters cold, but then also slowly introduce us to some of them and, and give them enough backstory without getting too deep into the backstory, which if we're just talking about that that character building aspect is actually fairly well done. Yeah, right? yeah, that's true. They've, they've got a lot to do. So so basically, again, we'll recap the, the episode. Um, the Enterprise D, which is the fifth Federation starship to bear the name. This is 80 plus years after the original Star Trek series. So for those of you who are Trekkies, that means something to you. So for those of you who are newbies, uh, you know, okay, so Kirk was before Kirk and Spock. That's not those guys. These are different guys. Um, it, it does mean that McCoy is old. Yeah, and he makes a cameo appearance later in the episode. Later. Yeah. Um, the the Enterprise, this version of the Enterprise is uh, the latest and greatest state of the art. It's a gigantic galaxy class starship. It's basically think of a small city in space. Uh, over a thousand people on board. Uh, Captain Jean-Luc Picard it just took command. They're on their way to their first mission. And um, they're basically making a pit stop at this weird place called uh, Farpoint Station. And that's where Encounter at Farpoint, uh, the name, comes from. They're picking up their first officer. We don't yet have Riker when uh, when, when the episode starts. Commander, uh, Commander Will Riker. Uh, they're going to pick him up along with uh, Jordy, uh, Dr. Crusher. Crusher. Yep, yep. They're, they're on their way. And then they get stopped by the mysterious yet powerful Q. Thou art notified that thy kind have infiltrated the galaxy too far already. Thou art directed to return to thine own solar system immediately. That's quite a directive. Would you mind identifying what you are? We call ourselves the Q. Oh, thou mates call me that. 
uh, played by the excellent John Delancey, who, um, regardless of any problems in this episode, I feel like John Delancey and, and the Q character were really interesting to watch from the very beginning. Yeah, he's... I mean, I, I, a lot of it is loaded with what I know he'll become eventually, um, which is hard to parse apart. It, yeah. It's hard to um, it's hard to watch Q in this first episode mm-hmm. without seeing all the Q he will be later. I don't know. Watching this dry, it's it's a weird portrayal. The Q character is way less dark, I think, later than he does come across in this episode. Well, he could be dark later. It, it's just. I don't know. Part of it is even just the definition of what he is, which which at that point might have still been fairly ill-defined. I think one of the first things he does, right, one of the, the guys on the bridge pulls a phaser and Q freezes him. And mm-hmm. the, the implication is, like, Picard picks it up and says it's on stun and, like, and he says, I, I wouldn't want to be captured or, or something like that. Um, but it implies that they could have caught him with a phaser. Where, <laughs> yeah. Like, if you know anything about later Q, it, it seems like it would have just been much more um, to the point to let him be shot with a phaser and just be like, hey, I'm a Q. I don't care. Right. Yeah, that's a good point. They make an effort to show that this Q character is mysterious and very powerful, but they don't play up the basically omnipotent uh, well, version. Well, he of chases Q. them, right? He he chases yeah. them in physical space, which is bizarre yeah. Yeah. from a Q standpoint. <laughs> um, well, and what's even more bizarre is is technically, I mean, he was there, and then like, he, oh yeah, he, yeah. <laughs> he, he he manifested as like this weird wall in space. Then he appears on their bridge. So it's like, it's kind of strange because he's teleporting here and there, but then also then he does chase them. Like it's... Well, because he, he leaves the bridge or something and Picard comes up, he's like, we need to come up with a surprise plan. So we're just going to use printouts to all decks. Um, <laughs> and also we're going to talk about it on the bridge where he just was. <laughs> yeah. we, we gotta Wait, be- how, how is this a surprise plan? At this point, no station aboard. Repeat, no station for any reason will make use of transmitted signals or intercom. We'll try and take them by surprise. <laughs> yeah, yeah. The part of this is going to fool Q. <laughs> and maybe that's the part that's really hard to parse out, that if you know Q from later stuff, yeah. you can't parse it apart. You, you just, you're, you're like, well, Q's listening. You understand that, right? Q. And it's very hard to get in that mindset of you don't know his full extent of power. Sure. So, Sure. Yeah. Well, before we go too far down down that road, because we can kind of we can pick it apart a little bit more in detail here in a bit. Well, we'll kind of go through <laughs> That's the rest. Still pretty of it. early, I think, right? Yeah, that is. It's still pretty early. So basically, Q shows up. Uh, he is all powerful slash semi powerful slash mostly powerful. Like we'll work that out later. Um, he essentially says human beings are savage. You have no place in space. You bring destruction with you wherever you go. He essentially kind of says, uh, you know, go back from where you came from, which also is a weird thing to threaten somebody with because it's not, he doesn't say he's going to destroy humanity. He just says he's going to take away their hall pass is basically yeah. like, it's like I, I don't want you over here. <laughs> yeah. It's just kind of, uh, yeah, a quarantine more than anything, I guess. Um, to which Picard, I think, kind of shows his difference as a captain from uh, from previous captains, which at this point would only be Kirk uh, in the timeline, um, where he says, uh, he basically puts it as a di- diplomatic problem. Like, 
he says, test us, you know, put, put us put us to the test. He shows that he, you know, where in the past maybe Kirk would try more cowboy haymaker punches maybe first before getting to that part of it. I, I think, you know, Picard's leaning towards the diplomatic or the let's work this out angle is, is something that kind of shows early on that's the kind of captain he's going to be. And it does. It, it gives really nice glimmers of um, the things that are going to come out later. Uh, mm-hmm. the, the sparks of these these differences that do make that um, yeah that do make that a different method for dealing with um, presumably all powerful space beings. Yeah, right. This is yeah. For, they're going to write that in the Starfleet manual after this, where it's like, okay, so if you encounter another all powerful space being, here's how you deal with it. Uh, yeah, that's the that's the secondary directive. <laughs> yeah, there's the prime directive. And there's the secondary directive. Nice. Um, so essentially what happens is after much pomp and circumstance, um, they settle on uh, the test being this mission that they are already on. This seemingly kind of like milk run mission, right? Because the, the journey of, of the Enterprise is supposed to be, we're going to go out there, we're going to go where nobody's gone before, we're going to explore new worlds, we're going to meet new people. And this is basically just like, we're stopping at this space station, we're going to check it out, make sure it's okay. And, and Q kind of spins that one and says that what lies before you is a much more interesting challenge than you could imagine or may be capable of. And so that kind of sets the stage and the stakes for for the entire episode. And the, and the rest of the episode is about solving um, the mystery of Farpoint Station and trying to acquit the, ourselves in the eyes of the queue that we're worthwhile, worthy beings and, and we should be out here in space. So... That's kind of a weird place to start a show. <laughs> and and I, I don't know if you did it intentionally or not, but you left out the court scene. <laughs> I did. Yeah, I did. Well, and it's weird, too, because that court scene is actually um, weirdly relevant because they come back to it uh, oh, yeah, a yeah, long yeah. ways down the road. And we'll get to that yes, yes, uh, yes. many, many podcast episodes from now. But, yeah, they <laughs> they, they do a lot to set up the scene where they actually do put humanity on trial and it's 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 a weird series of scenes historically intriguing captain very very accurate mid-21st century the post-atomic horror careful sir this is not an illusion or a dream that these courts belong in the past i don't understand either but this is real it's a very it's a very long scene. That court scene is long, mm-hmm. even by I, I, I mean I recognize this isn't like a Michael Bay film, but <laughs> it, it's still it's a it's a long sequence, even yeah. by by early Star Trek standpoint, um, yeah. but by standards um, of of just kind of back and forth talking about stuff. Yeah, um, yeah, and and an, an occasional freezing a person. Um, <laughs> that, that old trick that they trot that you, pony out again <laughs> I'm going to ask you because I don't know but does Q ever freeze anyone ever again in the rest of Star Trek lore no he teleports people to weird places or he removes them from a thing but I don't think he ever freezes somebody ever again because he really seems to like it here <laughs> he kind of yeah that's funny for, for if this is your first journey into Star Trek well welcome it's like oh he's a nice monster <laughs> 
He's like the Mr. Freeze of the Star Trek universe. He's the Ice King. He is Ice King. <laughs> All he needed was a bunch of campy one-liners, and, and he would be a comic book villain at that point. Yeah, it's like, all right, everybody, chill. You know, and just... Oh. Yeah. So so another question about the court. Why doesn't O'Brien get to go? Why doesn't, why doesn't O'Brien get to go to court? Because <laughs> he never goes anywhere. The, um, so there's, there's a whole bunch of people on the bridge. Yeah. And everybody but O'Brien gets to go. <laughs> <laughs> and if you didn't notice, by the way, uh, O'Brien is played by, it's Colm or Colm Meany, yes. uh, a really great character actor. And, and actually, Miles O'Brien is like a recurring... He sticks around a long time. Yeah, yeah. He's a recurring guest star. And you kind of get the sense from this pilot that he was going to be a bigger deal than he winds up being because he eventually gets just kind of like... Uh, sent off to the transporter room where he just hangs out all the time and waits for people to transport places and that's like all he does on the show and then he eventually leaves and goes to a different he's Star still, Trek he's show. Still, he's still important but yeah here it was weird. It was <laughs> There's there a lot of shuffling around in this one. But. Yeah exactly. It's very clear that they just didn't know what to do with some people at, at certain times. Yeah. Um, but they get done with that court scene. They go back to Farpoint and they have to solve the mystery and, and if there's two things in this episode that I feel like don't work very well it's the court scene which we just talked about and then the whole mystery of the Farpoint station. It's kind of a crappy mystery. <laughs> yeah it, it uh, yeah it's hard to tell what part Q is playing in it right? If yeah. he's softballing it or if he really, yeah, I, I don't know. It's, yeah. it's, so so what is Farpoint Station? So, I mean, essentially what happened well, is... I'll softball that one to you. <laughs> yeah, there you go. Exactly. So there's supposed to be this, like, there's this star base that these people on this planet constructed. They're called the Bandy. And, and strangely, these people who don't seem to be at an appropriate level of technology to make most of the stuff that happens to be at this starbase happened to have been able to make this starbase, which is not only like really well suited for what, um, you know, Captain Picard and the Enterprise and all of Starfleet like would need in a base of operations at a very distant place. It's almost magical how well it's suited. And they kind of go out of their way to show some of those magical properties. Although we're not officially part of the Enterprise, I thought there might be something useful we could do while we wait. Useful how, Commander? Investigating some things that I've noticed since I've been here. The last was a piece Gold of fruit. Gold would be lovely with this. I had asked for an apple. I am I would... sure, Commander, there are reasons for a first officer to want to demonstrate his energy and alertness to a new captain. But since my duty and interests are outside the command structure, isn't it remarkably happened to have exactly what you asked for? Thank you. I'll take the entire bolt. Send it to our starship when it arrives. Charge to Dr. Crusher. Mom, that gold pattern wasn't there. Weird. Yeah, yeah, and so that's kind of the mystery that they're trying to solve, right? It's like, how did this thing get here? How did these people make this? And it turns out, you know, they didn't. <laughs> uh, and the way in which they didn't do it also... It's a mystery. It's a mystery. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, speaking, speaking of the entrance of Riker, um, yeah. so, so Troy is with Picard very early on. Mm -hmm. um, but here's a question. So, so Troy has telepathy. Is that what's going on here? No. Or not telepathy. Um, it, like, she could... This is... 
this is a she good clearly question. this is a good question especially for an early episode because they're still trying to figure some of this stuff out but <laughs> mm-hmm. <sighs> She doesn't have telepathy. Explain this to me, Bern. She has... So, okay. Her her people are the Betazoid people, and they are telepathic. Okay? So, like, they have telepathic powers. They can read minds. They can do whatever. She is only half Betazoid. Later, I think they say that her father... Uh, yeah, her father was a human. Yeah, her mother's yeah, Betazoid. Yeah. Well, yep, Waxana shows up. So, she got, like, the Diet Coke version of telepathy and she really can't read people's thoughts she can only sense their emotions which they refer to as being empathic which i find funny because people can be empathic without having mystical powers (laughs) but she also like talks to Riker in his mind (laughs) yes which i find funny and that they explain away as Oh well, I guess she can kind of communi- communicate telepathically, but only with she people. can only communicate only like half the people. <laughs> yeah, only uh, only other Betazoids and or people that she's had relationships with in the past, apparently. May I introduce our new first officer, Commander William Riker. Commander Riker, this is our ship's counselor, Deanna Troy. Do you remember what I taught you, Imzadi? Can you still sense my thoughts? Pleasure, Commander. Likewise, Counselor. Have the two of you met before? We have, sir. Excellent. That's <laughs> how that works. I don't know why. Yeah, that, that was odd. I kind of forgot that that happened in this first one. And when I rewatched it, I was like, wait a second. <laughs> yeah, they're on the bridge and they see each other. And it's supposed and she's to. like, oh, hi, Riker. I'm talking to you in your mind. <laughs> Have you forgotten me, Imzadi? <laughs> like, with that weird accent. Tell, that me, she has. tell me about the waters of your home world, Muad'Dib. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Very well done. Yeah. Um, so. Yeah, that's that came across as... I mean, I've seen this episode a bunch of times, and that came across as confusing to me even now. Uh, so I can't imagine watching that. For I'm glad time. they just sort of scrapped it. Later. Yeah, yeah. So I don't remember the separate coming out of it. Well, not exactly. Maybe, maybe much later. And, and only, I mean, yeah, with Luxwana, like when, when her mom's around, that's a whole different story. Yeah, but. yeah, exactly. So um, so then they, okay, obviously then they're they're moving around Farpoint. They're trying to figure out the thing. Q shows up a bunch of times. But really what's funny is like after his first big I'm Q and you're going on trial and they spend a lot of time with him and make him super menacing and he sort of disappears in the second half. He just kind of wanders off. (laughs) Yeah. He'll check in randomly. He'll show up menacing at a view screen. He does. Yeah. He's actually, it is a really good use of him as someone reminding you that you're on a clock, right? Because he does leave, but then he goes back. He's like, hey, you still uh, working on that thing? Because <laughs> you should be working I'm on that. I'm still here. <laughs> yep. You guys are playing on the holodeck. Is that what you're doing? Yeah, yeah. Maybe you ought to fish, uh, you know, data out of the uh, out of the water there, dry them off a little bit, and figure out what this thing is. Because TikTok. You know what I'm saying? Question about that. Sure. <laughs> I have a lot of questions about this first episode. Good. So, <laughs> if you were to f- be in a holodeck simulation of a forest, yes. and there's some water, and you fall in the water, and then you say holodeck off. Should you be dry? <laughs> this is the question that that uh, that 
my people and the nerds uh, have been trying to answer since since time began. So, yeah, again, <laughs> we'll back up a little bit. So, <laughs> for you, Star Trek newbie, or I'm not sure there should be an answer. Here, no, probably not. But I'm going to give it my best because, damn it, these are good questions. So I'm going to certainly try. So the the holodeck is a thing that they really goof around with a lot as far as what it is. Because oh, and we'll get to an episode soon that is very holodeck heavy. Yeah, and then trying to figure out exactly what the hell's going on. Yeah, that's a question. Um, so, like, later in Star Trek, and I'm talking, like, late Star Trek The Next Generation and then all the series beyond, they basically make the holodeck into something entirely different than what they say it is in this episode of Star Trek The Next Generation, which I find funny. Yes. Um, so, essentially what the holodeck eventually becomes is holograms that are so good... Uh, they look as though they're photorealistic, and then they're covered in a force field to give them the illusion of being, like, of having mass, of being real. Yeah, which um, is, yeah, it works. Yeah, and that, that kind of makes sense. Their explanation here, <laughs> in terms of what the holodeck is, <laughs> is very different and kind of strange. And they try to talk about it in terms of, like, well, you know how the transporter can convert people into energy and then that energy back into people, right? This is like a one-way transporter. So, like, they effectively beamed in, like, all the plant material from nothing. Well, because Data shows them the wall. Yeah. It's like, oh, that's weird. Yep. Like, Which I think is a thing that they still do. I think it's a thing that they still talk about, like, later or it's it exists as part of yeah. like how the holodeck works but the whole transporter angle they just kind of drop <laughs> like entirely and then they're figuring it out right it's a cool idea regardless yeah um it's a lot of hand waving to be like oh it, it's it's magic don't worry about it exactly and um, that's and you've you've struck upon a genius point here paul where whenever whenever star trek does that to you and they say like oh well that's because the bleeper blorp is connected to the hoodledoo right through the uh, plasma conduit, because they're always plugging into those damn things before they explode. Uh, <laughs> what they're trying to tell you is, uh, you know, fantasy, um, if it were a fantasy series, it would be a type of magic or some sort of summoning or what have you. This is them using technology in almost the same way. It's like, well, we just teched the tech so we could techie tech tech. And then, boom, holodecks. <laughs> yep. We have a dragon behind there. He runs it. Exactly. And that's <laughs> all the same. Yeah, you need to is. know. <laughs> yeah. The holodeck, yeah, even in this one, is oddly uh, um, an easy suspension of disbelief. So it's, yes. It works. Yep, exactly. So that's that's kind of all you need to know. So, um, they, anyway, Q reminds us we're on a clock. Yeah. <laughs> Back so, to, to far <laughs> Then almost as if on Q, they're like, oh, yeah, we should probably figure out this mystery. And so they get about the business of, of solving the mystery. And they actually, in like the final part of the episode, start doing some like detective work and stuff, which I find funny that it took them that long, but whatever. Um, so they're kicking around the bowels of this station. Stuff is weird. What's going on? And then basically the the big reveal is that it's not a station at all, it's a giant alien creature. Um, which is, I think collectively everybody goes, huh? But Yeah, I mean, I get, the, I get that a big part of this is that this is a confusing episode, but it's a confusing episode. <laughs> yes, <laughs> yes. And it's, it's, it's in that era, right, of where you could still just say, it, it, maybe the holodeck is a really good contrast here. We basically just said, oh, the holodeck's magic, whatever, which I don't care. Yeah. 
the end of this episode is basically like, eh, it's magic. Don't worry about it. Yeah. But it's much, it's much harder to swallow um, that, that second call of, oh, it's just magic. Um, yeah, because it kind of comes out of nowhere and doesn't make any sense, right? Yeah, like it's... It's, I mean, we're going full spoilers here, right? It's a um, it's a giant space jellyfish. Yep, and they only find out because another giant space jellyfish comes looking for the original giant space jellyfish, and space jellyfish two is not super happy. And uh, then, but at the beginning, it's upside down. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Hello up there. So you couldn't tell that it was a jellyfish because the you know space until it, yeah right exactly because there's no mutually agreed upon z axis right yeah that's kind of that's how that works acceptable <laughs> the stretch but so the real I mean, question is why it has like scanners and weapons on its top yeah yeah there's a, I mean what is it scanning with if you what? think hard about this episode at all. It will make your head hurt pretty bad. Well, and, and there is a lot of 80s sci-fi that pulls this exact same trick in, in the 11th hour. Yeah, um, yeah. The deus yeah. ex machina thing. So here's all you need to know about this episode. Here's the ship. Here's the crew. Oh, yeah, by the way, here's Q. Uh, Q says humans are savage. Picard says, no, we're not. Test us. Uh, and, and Q's like, ha-ha, Farpoint is the test. Nothing makes sense after that point. Groppler Zorn is a dick. Uh, giant space octopuses, uh, and then the, the show's over. <laughs> that was it. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> I almost wonder if if you had somebody who hadn't seen this episode, and you just sat them down beforehand and said, "Hey, look, at the end, there's going to be some giant space octopuses, <laughs> jellyfish in space. Don't worry about it. Uh-huh. Just just, just go with it. it. Just go with the it. The ship's going to flip over. It's going to be a giant jellyfish. It's going to be weird, <laughs> but." Just be cool with it. Yep. <laughs> I think that might be better. Um, best and worst moments of this uh, show. Uh, you know, Paul, do you have some best, uh, a best and a best, uh, a best and a worst? As far a as best worst. Is. So I did write down two worsts and I didn't, I have a, I have, I wrote down the word best and then I have a colon. Um, <laughs> well, two worst. I, I think is... I came up with something. I said, I think I came up with something for that while we were talking, but the worst has to be between Obviously, the jellyfish at the end. Yeah. It's just so weird. That's pretty stupid. <laughs> so out of the blue. Yeah. And I get what they're going for. It was just, uh, I mean, part of it is maybe the special effects. Um, yeah. I, I, I don't know that it would be better if it was just done differently. Like, I don't know. Mm-hmm. The other um, is also an effects um, element is, is Q's like weird boom lift chair in the court scene <laughs> and you can see the thing that's lifting it up just feels so like high school theater production it kind of does like, <laughs> yeah that there's like this curtain hiding a boom lift and he's in a chair that's kind of bouncing along as it drives him there that is really distracting mm-hmm. and really speaks to the fact that that was probably one of the last scenes they did or one of the first scenes and they were trying to they were trying to get by on a budget i get it um, it just, it's, it's uh, quite literally bumpy. Um, and it just looks weird. It, it really t- takes you out of it. So the best I think has to be, um, at the very end of the episode, um, there's a line by Riker, um, that is basically he, he, it's this weird, like he's not breaking the fourth wall, but he's kind of speaking to the audience in a weird way mm-hmm. saying like, he he hopes that this isn't how normal missions will be, <laughs> or something along those lines. Yep. Some problem, Riker. Just hoping this isn't the usual way our missions will go, sir. 
Oh no, number one. I'm sure most will be much more interesting. Riker's delivery of that line is just so like, huh, that was weird. Hope it's not going to be like that all the time. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's funny. It's, very, it's fitting. It fits well. It's perfect. Yeah, and what's funny is you actually stole my best moment as well. Oh, that was great. mine. <laughs> great. So that was my best. Also, my worst. Ugh, there's a few of them. I don't know which one to pick. I already stole some good ones. Yeah, I mean, uh, Grappler Zorn, kind of just the whole thing. Like, that guy, he annoyed the heck out of me. Like, I mean, very clearly, <laughs> he had one job, and that was to sell this perfect station to these people. And just, so from, yeah. you know, and he just was being a dork about it like he was just he had a so there was a weird choice at some point where um if you remember the point like he's talking to somebody but then like they leave and the scene stays with him and then he like talks to the station yep yep he, that's, a, that's a really weird choice right it, that that's a breaking the fourth wall element of of right that that like now it's just you and the audience and you're making this reveal that like oh he can talk to the station been told not to do that. Why can't you understand? It will arouse their suspicion. And if that happens, we will have to punish you. We will, I promise you. Yeah, which is a really weird reveal to the audience. Yeah, essentially cluing the audience in that that the station is there's something clearly going on with the stations. He uh yeah, you're right. It's the scene where he says um, he, they're talking to him. Somebody says something like, oh, I wish I had an apple or something. And then like a bowl of apples just yeah. appears. And yeah, oh, I could have sworn that wasn't there a minute ago, which obviously they weren't, yeah. you know? <laughs> and he's and, like, bad jellyfish, bad. Just, couldn't, couldn't the station have like, instead of a bowl of apples, put a note on the table that like, help me, this guy's crazy. <laughs> <laughs> please, please help. Please, <laughs> rather than just making apples and making cloth and making all kinds of but stuff. I get it. Yeah, it's supposed to. I think wasn't it supposed to like reflect what you wanted or something? Or, yeah, yeah. And I think it. Story. I think it was a way for it to do what it was told to do, but yeah. still call for help. You know, right? good call on um, that guy being the, some of the worst though. Oh man, that guy, that guy. Um, and so, yeah, that's essentially, that's the episode. That's the good, that's the bad, that's the synopsis. And um, that is not the way the missions will usually go. So, Well, and, and so at, at the end of it, right, the, the idea, should, should people watch this one? This one almost seems obvious, but. Yeah, I feel like this is the one you have to. It's necessary because it, it does tell you a lot about who the characters are, where they come from, uh, some of the stuff. I mean, even some of the stuff that was really nice, and I guess I could pick this as an alternate best moment, but the interplay between uh, Captain Picard and the Crushers, you know, plural, both, yeah, both Dr. Yeah. Crusher and Wesley, um, obviously suggesting that there was something there. And I think they even go so far as to say, you know, well, well, Captain Picard brought my dad home to us when, yeah, he, when yeah, he died, yeah. you know. Well, because Picard goes to great lengths to say he hates kids, yes. right? Um, and then at some point, I, I forget when it is. It might be when he comes to see the bridge or something. She's like, oh, it's my son. And he's like, oh, Wesley. Uh, yeah. And realizes like, oh, well, I hate kids, but. 
but maybe I hate you less. <laughs> like, yeah, there's an obligation there to like the son of, son of a friend. Yes. Right? Yeah, which was a nice moment. Oh, another best moment uh, when Picard turns to uh, to Riker and says his job is to prevent him from quote making oh, yeah. an ass of himself in front of children. <laughs> in front of children, yes. <laughs> which I thought was really funny because what I also find great about Captain Picard is he kind of evolves as a character to become much more likable in this he's almost he's not quite ebenezer scrooge but he's certainly not bob cratchit either in in the stage theater tradition right like he's kind of he's kind of a crusty old dude yeah, <laughs> yeah. well we came up with some good good things then not just the not just the ending right yeah there's some good stuff in there 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 there's plenty to redeem it but that said um, stay tuned for uh, for our future episodes where we talk about uh, more um, Star Trek. We'll we'll keep going through season one, but we'll we'll skip liberally in terms of saving you from quite a few episodes. So uh, stay tuned. Next time we'll uh, we'll give you a little bit of a sneak peek on on what's coming up. But uh, hopefully you enjoyed this and uh, will enjoy future voyages with us as we uh, take the Hi-Fi Sci-Fi podcast for a spin through Star Trek: The Next Generation. So until next time, I'm Jason. Yeah, I'm Paul. And uh, let's see what's out there. Engage.